You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I don't know who needed that the most, us to have the fans in there cheering for us or the fans or the city of Lincoln, but it's been too long. Uh, the stadium wasn't full, but man, there was there was a lot of people in there. And the sooner we get back to normal, the better for everybody. And uh, man, that was a good first step in the right direction. So thank you to the fans. And I know it, it adds a lot to the player experience and coaching experience when, when they're in there. So we appreciate you. It's crazy just seeing people back in the stands, walking out of the tunnel walk, it, it, it was like last year, you didn't see anybody, but you know, the little camera crews and, and everything goes, but it wasn't, you know, uh, exciting. You know, of course, you know, you had the team's energy from both sides, but the, the fans' energy is something else, and we needed that, and you felt it when you walked into the stadium today. Yeah, you know, I think we showed out today. It really showed the growth that uh, we made during the spring ball. I mean, we had a lot of three and outs, which was great to see. And like, I, like we said, like we've been talking about this whole spring, uh, I mean, it's there. The growth is there. We've seen it. And we, I think we proved it today. And welcome here to this post-spring ball edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus here as we'll unpack what we saw Saturday. And honestly, guys, I don't think we learned a, a, a ton. But I think anytime you get in the stadium and, and get people around and, and you, you play for over 100 plays, you learn something. And I, I still think the story, though, for Saturday – was getting 36,400 people in the stadium at the time of kickoff. It was the third largest gathering, um, you know, in, in the country since COVID's happened. You think about that. Um, Alabama spring game had 47,000. I've been told it was not 47, but that's what they announced it at. The Texas Rangers political COVID party game had 38,000. And then there's the Nebraska spring game. You know, one of these things is not like the other. And Nebraska – you know, you hear people, oh, it should have been more. But when you put it in context, it is really quite remarkable. That was the third largest gathering in the United States of America, potentially the world since COVID. I don't know. I can't say that confidently on the world. But mm -hmm. um, in, in North America, that was the third largest gathering. Um, and, and that, to me, just getting the fans back in there, you almost forget what has been lost um, over this last year. Yeah. Saturday will go down as one of, if not the most memorable spring game, uh, certainly of my lifetime, uh, and maybe even beyond that, and it had nothing to do with what went on in the field. The, the, the scrimmage itself was pretty much meaningless. The fact that they didn't even tackle until the third quarter, you throw all that stuff out the window. But what you take away is the entire experience from, the, from sunrise to sunset, how good it felt to get back to some football normalcy where – People were tailgating before the game, walking around the stadium. The rail yard was They had popping. concessions going. They had the band in the stands. You know, even if it was only, you know, 36,000, you know, it still felt it felt bigger than that compared to what we went through last year in a completely barren stadium with just a few parents sprinkled in there. Uh, and then after the game, you know, our offices, the Husker Online office is down in the, the post office downtown. And just looking out the window, it felt like a... 2019 Saturday in September with uh, the music blaring from the rail yard, people walking around, sometimes stumbling around. And, you know, it, it was a party and it was a celebration, not just of the spring game, but uh, a return of something that means so much to this fan base, this city, and the, this entire state. And the, that is what is going to make this, like I said, uh, one spring game that I don't think anyone that was around is ever going to forget. Yeah, one of my biggest takeaways was just how happy everyone was, you know, walking to the stadium before the game and, and you know, leaving the stadium afterwards. All you heard were, you know, people having a good time, uh, laughing and, and uh, probably partaking in some, uh, you know, some, some beverages and whatnot. And I think it's just it was just good for people to get out. And you heard Frost say in the, in the open there that it was good for the team, too, I think, to, to have fans in the stands, give them a little shot of energy because – uh, you know, I, I can't imagine what it was like last year playing in an empty stadium, um, you know, and we've talked about it before when you've got, especially with the young guys, you know, they're sold this, you know, 
uh, playing in front of the greatest fans in the country and, and, you know, consecutive sellouts and so on and so on. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the pandemic hits and, and life is not like it normally would be. And, you know, what they were told is, is definitely not the experience that they were getting last year. And so I think it was probably good for a lot of those guys to kind of be reminded, hey, look, you know, things are getting back to normal and, and this is going to be close to, you know, or, or a glimpse of what you're going to be playing in front of in the fall. Yeah, one of the things that jumped out to me in our videos that Greg uh, Peterson produced um, at the, the sights and sound feature he put out, at the very end of it, the last part of it, you see Omar Manning getting called over, Omar, Omar, and all these little kids handing him things to sign mm-hmm. and autograph. Omar Manning didn't get that last year. He didn't even really understand what it meant to play for Nebraska last year. And I, I, You have to think, if you're a human being that really has a love for this and you have little boys coming up to you like that, wanting your autograph and you know, looking up to you, like that's going to give Omar Manning a boost now. That May 1st spring game going into the offseason – um, so it, it was little things like that. And I'll say this. I, I think Nebraska, when you look at this roster, it, it's the best roster Frost has had. I, I think in our chat, people wanted us to come out and say it's the best roster Nebraska's had in a while. But I'm not going to say that because Pelini's final teams were, were quality teams. I mean, they won nine, nine games or ten games you know, down the stretch the last couple of years of the Pelini era. They had a lot of NFL talent on those teams. So I'm not going to jump the gun and say Nebraska is better than those teams because they're not right now. They've got to prove it. But I think the parts are there. The pieces are there. And we saw that. We just know the schedule and kind of what's ahead, and it will not be easy. Yeah, I mean, they got a chance to be. I mean, you look at, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that's as deep of a defense as you know we've seen in <laughs> some time, certainly probably going back to Pelini. Uh, and then, you know, the offense with the fourth-year star quarterback, uh, you know, an offensive line that on paper, especially with recruiting profile, has uh, been very well built over the past three years. I mean, so they, they got a lot to work with. And now uh, the pieces are in place. Uh, the excuses are officially off the table. This is Scott Frost's team in every sense, and it's his best team in every sense, and now it's time for them to go do something with it and win some games and take this program to the next level. Yeah, and for the most part, they've got depth, too, to uh, to kind of make it through a season. You know, you know, I think over the last few years, if they missed a guy here or someone got nicked up or, or you know, uh, injured to the point like Will Honus recently that yeah. that would have been a big deal yeah that would have been a huge deal and now I mean they've finally have depth to to where it is next man up you know you, we always hear that saying and coaches talk about it all the time players talk about it all the time but now I mean I legitimately think that this is a roster that has the depth where if something like that happens it is the next man up and and there's you know there's always going to be a little bit of a drop off from your starter to your backups but you know not like it has been over the last several years and uh, one thing I want to get to, Nebraska did add another game to the schedule this week. Fordham will be coming into Lincoln, the home of Denzel Washington. You think Denzel Washington will, will roll in in like his training day car? Um, we in the office, baby, um, in, in the Memorial Stadium and, and represent Fordham? Yeah, either that or he's going to be dressed like uh, the coach and Remember the Titans. Or, oh, yeah. I, I, Denzel Washington's been in so many good movies. Yeah. Um, training day is one of my favorites, but you, know, you, can't, you can't beat Remember the Titans. <laughs> Uh, but Nebraska gets this game for $500,000, $100,000 less than they had to pay. Southeast Louisiana, who I think they're going to try to relocate to another year. I mean, Nebraska what looked like a really hard thing. They came out of this well. It's going to be a blowout game. I mean, but the nice thing is they should be able to have some leeway to get it at night because the, the networks aren't going to pick that up. It will be a BTN game where I think Nebraska hopefully will have some flexibility to say we would prefer this to be a night game and – you know, you can shove it on any of your channels, but you want it at night for the atmosphere, the recruits, et cetera. Well, and just for the psyche of the team, when was the last time Nebraska had a blowout win? You know, Bethune-Cookman a few years ago? I mean, uh, those types of wins where you just feel good about it uh, have been so few and far between that getting something like that, especially conference. yeah, especially opening the year in a, against a tough conference opponent from Illinois, maybe tough is not the right word, but a conference opponent on the road, uh, you, you got to have something to kind of get get your your swagger back a little bit, especially with Oklahoma looming uh, and Buffalo still coming in. So, I mean, uh, they needed a game like that for many reasons, on the field and off. Well, yeah, it, uh, being the recruiting guy, I think that's just huge, the recruiting aspect of all this. If it is a night game, you know, to have that home opener be a night game where – 
you know, the, the home opener is always, you know, the energy level is always off the charts there. Uh, the atmosphere is always, uh, you know, amazing. I mean, it's good all the time, but the home opener is, there's an extra buzz around everything. And so if, you know, now this allows them to get a lot of, a lot of players in for that weekend. And, and, and if it is a night game, maybe even more than normal. So, um, you know, and, and to have two home games in the month of September instead of just one, that's a big deal. All right, when we come back, uh, we are going to talk more about the offensive storylines that came out of the spring game, including backup quarterback and running back. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, I wanted to elevate my leadership, find a way to encourage the guys and drive our unit and be successful. And if things weren't going our way, find a way to turn that around. Um, so that was my first kind of checkpoint I wanted to hit. Secondly, I want to get better myself, just uh, accuracy, decision-making. I think you can always get better at those things. So um, for Dusko and the rest of the cues, we've been hammering home on that. And then ball security. Turnovers have been a problem, and uh, it's definitely been a point of emphasis this spring for us. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was quarterback Adrian Martinez. I asked him, what were your goals this spring, and what, what did you want to get out of it? And that was his answer um, just becoming a better leader, and, and I, I think he has grown in that department. This segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. I uh, didn't get in there Saturday, but I'm sure it was hopping. Um, every place in Lincoln was hopping this weekend. Um, and with graduation going on now this weekend, um, there'll be people out and about all over town. So um, if you're looking for a place to go to watch games, have cold beer, get great wings, go on into Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. It is my favorite sports bar here in town on 31st and Yankee Hill Road. Uh, but guys, let's talk offensive storylines. We know Adrian Martinez is the quarterback. After that, though, the questions loom. Number one, who's the number two quarterback? And number two, <laughs> Who will Nebraska go in the portal? And Scott Frost has said no, they're not going to go in the portal at this point. And I think a lot of it has to do with Heinrich Harburg. Um, I don't think anybody could look at you with a straight face and say that they believe Logan Smothers is the number two quarterback for Nebraska. Um, you know, and and I'm not saying that Harburg is yet, but I, I think he's got the best potential to be the number two quarterback. And his growth this spring has led Nebraska to where they're probably not looking at taking a transfer portal quarterback. Well, you just look at where those two quarterbacks are in this stage of the career. I mean, Smothers obviously hasn't played a game yet, but he's been here for, you know, the better part of a year. And, you know, Heinrich Harburg's just been here for a few months. And there's not much separation, if at all. And, in fact, um, when you look at just the, the, the body type and arm strength and, um, you know, it's just kind of overall playmaking ability, you might want to give an edge to, to Heinrich already. And I think that's that development probably changed the conversation about the transfer thing um, more than anything. I mean, Smothers, I think he was off and on. You know, there were, with even within like the single practices or spring games that we watched, there were points where you look at him, he's like, what's he doing? Like, he couldn't even throw the ball 15 yards downfield. Then, you know, a few snaps later, he's throwing a perfect strike, you know, that, that you kind of have to do a double take. Where with Harburg, uh, I mean, he showed flashes like that a lot. And, you know, while he made young guy mistakes, as you'd expect, you see the ceiling with his his frame and his strength and athleticism. If he can start to put it together mentally, I think Nebraska got themselves a sneaky good long-term option at quarterback. And that, that rapid development he showed this spring, I think, put to bed any concerns about needing to go to the portal, especially – the fact that they basically have to find a unicorn in the transfer portal that I don't even think exists at this point. And that's the biggest thing when, when it comes to the portal is finding, you know, players that put their name in the portal, they're leaving their current situation to find a better one. You know, nobody's leaving their current situation to go be the backup quarterback at a power five school like Nebraska. Um, and, and Nebraska's not interested in taking someone out of the portal that's got three or four years of, of eligibility remaining either. So because they don't want to screw up their whole room and and the you know the kind of the the spacing with the scholarships and whatnot. So I, I think that you know finding someone who is okay coming in and being behind Adrian and and being ready if if need be is I mean it's just very very difficult to do. Um, now when it comes to Harburg and and Smothers, I you know I think Smothers has Harburg on the mental side of the 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 you know spectrum. I think the understanding of the playbook and whatnot. But you know, once Harburg catches up in that regard, it that's going to be that's going to be a heck of a battle there. And um, you know he has those physical tools that that are pretty much undeniable. 
And we know um, Smothers was a great track athlete in high school, but um, Harburg was as well. Uh, Harburg didn't get a junior track season, but as a sophomore, he ran 11-1 electronic at state um, in the 100 meter as a sophomore. That's pretty dang good for a quarterback. He ran 22-6-3 as a sophomore in the 200 meter. Um, he high jumped six foot four and qualified for state and took third in the high jump. So. Not your typical quarterback that could run and jump like Harburg. And Smothers was also made um, a really good track runner. So both these guys can yeah. run. I, I don't come out and just say Smothers has a significant edge as a runner because I do think they both can run. Well, I would say in a in a head-to-head race, Smothers would, would probably beat Harburg, I believe. Um, you know, he was he qualified for state in the indoor 60 in Alabama. He qualified for state in, I think, the 100 and 200 outdoor, um, you know, as a, as a junior uh, and, and I'm not sure, I can't remember off the top of my head if he, no, he didn't run as a senior cause he was at Nebraska, uh, going, stuck, so Smothers, COVID. Smothers was a 10, eight, nine Harburg, 11, one Smothers was a 22, three, four. And I think I said Harburg was a 22, six. So fairly comparable. Um, but Smothers ran a 50.38 in the 400. I mean, that's a really good time. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really that's good smoking. time. That's smoking. So, I mean, yeah, Smothers has that element to He's lighter, game. though. He's yeah. lighter, too. Yeah, I mean, he, he showed a little bit of that, uh, you know, when the pocket was collapsing, and, you know, maybe that has something to do with his pocket awareness. But when he took off and ran, I mean, he, he did look like he had a little bit of juice to him. But, um, you know, I still think with Heinrich's measurables and how much bigger and stronger he is and the fact that there isn't that much, um, you know, separation in speed, as some people might think, you know, that, that's another reason to believe that, you know, long term, by the end of fall camp, Heinrich might be your number two. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. I want to move the discussion now over to running back. And I, I think that is a complete grab bag right now. The only thing I feel confident in saying is Gabe Irvin, I believe, is going to be a factor in some way or another. But after that, you know, you have Jock Yant, you have Marvin Scott, Sevion Morrison, the injured Ramir Johnson, the injured Mar- Marquis Stepp. There are just so many factors with that position where I don't know if anybody can confidently say they know who the number one guy is going to be. I just feel confident at least believing that Irvin's going to have a role in that group somewhere. I agree. And, you know, he's he showed something. You know, you want to take about finding anything of substance to take away from that spring game. There were some plays where he had a run and kicked it outside and just ran by guys. And that's, I mean, that, you can take something from that. When it comes down to just man-on-man, guy making a play, uh, Irvin showed that he had he had a little bit of, like I said, a little, little bit of juice to it, to his his running style. And, you know, with the, the reports that we heard all spring about how far along he was, and uh, he did miss some time uh, with a minor injury, but otherwise he was a, a consistent participant in practice, which, as we know, with this running back group is a big deal. <laughs> guy's got to stay on the field. Uh, so, I mean, you add his name very much squarely in the mix, for if not a starting job, then, you know, certainly in in that rotation. And, um, you know, it's kind of one of those positions where I think there's more questions than there are answers than we went into spring ball with, where at least going into spring, we thought we knew who the number one was with Step. But, you know, we got to see where he is by the time the season starts with coming off that injury. I think that was a, an unexpected development that really shuffled things around in that running back conversation. And, you know, Irvin's emergence, obviously Yant's emergence. I mean, he's, he showed that he's <laughs> on his way to deserving a role in some capacity. So they have the numbers, they have the potential, but who is going to step up and lock that down? Right now, I don't think anyone's close yet. Yeah, you, what you'd like to see is for one or two guys to really separate themselves from the rest of the group and, and be more than just a role player here or there or, or kind of have a niche in, in the offense. You know, and Ryan Held's talked about it. He, he doesn't like to have guys that can only do certain things. He wants guys that can be out there all three downs and, and can do everything in the offense. And so, um, you know, that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping for one or two guys that can separate themselves. But I was super excited to see that Gabe Irvin came in as an early enrollee and was what we thought he he was coming out of high school. You know, it, um, it's been a while since since a, a young guy has come in at that position and given Nebraska, you know, exactly what you thought he, he was going to when he was coming out of high school. And, and I'd probably say Maurice Washington did that to a certain degree. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, you might have to go back to, 
I mean, maybe a mirror uh, or, or Rex and a mirror. Yeah, and Rex and well, and even you know, I would say maybe not even a mirror. I don't think many people thought a mirror was going to come in and and light the world on fire as a freshman. Well, was, like Marcus Noob or Terrell Newby. Yeah, Terrell um, Newby. I mean, did but he still bit, never like he, I, he didn't live up. I mean, he was a borderline five star guy. Mm-hmm. He was a top one hundred, you know, number like forty or fifty in the country type of guy, uh, but. And so I, I feel really confident that Gabe Irvin, since he was able to come in and do this in just a couple months' time, that you know he's, he's going to give you what you thought he was going to give you. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk defense and what we learned here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Doesn't look good for Will right now. I don't want to say anything until we know for sure, but just a kind of a – nothing play again on Wednesday and the last spring practice and Will's been just awesome teammate and man I I care about him so much so it it really hurt me to see him down on the ground on Wednesday and doesn't look like uh, he's he's gonna uh, be ready for the start of season and and we'll see where it is beyond that. It sucks Uh, I know Will was really looking forward to coming back and having a pretty good sixth year given that free year from last year uh, he put in the work. Um, I know he had surgery for his hip, I think, and had to get through that and then came back and looked good for, for the first part of spring ball. And then having having this happen to him now, that, that sucks. So I feel bad for him. And we're back here on the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washington. Nate Klaus, that was head coach Scott Frost and defensive lineman Ty Robinson talking about the non-contact injury that happened to Will Honus um, right before the spring game. It was the final practice before the spring game on Wednesday and you just feel for Will. He had um, hip slash growing surgery. He battled that all year last year. Got through it. Had the surgery. You know, I, I just in my just quarterback, my Sunday quarterback, Monday quarterback mind. I'm asking myself, did he really need to practice at this point? Like, did could Will Honus have just rested himself? Um, maybe the competition of guys like Chris Kalarvik and Reimer, you know, made him want to come out and, and, and do something the final week, but. You know, it, it, regardless, it's it's a bad deal, and you feel for Will Honus. Luckily, we hinted on this earlier. They're loaded there. They have three quality, proven guys, and Reimer, Kalarovic, and and Henrich, and then Snodgrass. Now uh, will move into that number four position of the inside linebackers. Yeah, normally losing a guy like Will Honus, who was excellent last year, he had by far the best season uh, of his career. Uh, last season when he was finally able to stay healthy and really kind of lock down the middle of that defense. He was not talked about enough for how valuable he was. Uh, but with the emergence of, and the addition of Chris Klarovic, I think that that's definitely softens the blow. This is, I mean, this is a guy that got instant rave reviews from when he arrived on campus this winter with his performance in the weight room. I mean, you look at his the scores and numbers that he put up during their, their winter testing. Uh, I mean, he immediately caught people's attention. And uh, that carried directly on over into the spring to where, I mean, he – he carried himself like a pro, and he. We talked about this, I think, before in other shows, Sean. Where he's he's like the guy that you see at Wisconsin or Iowa, like the kind of unheralded dude from from small town Iowa that just comes onto the scene and is an All Big Ten type player yeah. at the end of his career. Yeah, and so Nebraska finally got one of those guys, and you know, fingers crossed, Will can get back because he is such a critical piece to that defense. And uh, like I said, just just got done playing the best football of his career. But in the meantime. I think they're they're going to be okay with that top group. I mean, Luke Reimer, Barrett Root has said that he's got NFL potential if he continues at his trajectory. And then, um, you know, Nick Henrich has finally settled back in at inside linebacker, and um, he's far more knowledgeable about the defense than, than he's ever been with his experience playing inside and out. And so they got a really good group there. And if they can get some of those other guys, whether it be a Snodgrass or a, a you know Clements or whoever it may be, uh, to to take that next step and add a little bit more depth and. You know, it, it's a rare situation where you lose a player of the level of importance of Will Honus and still feel really good about the the group as a whole. Yeah, I mean, this is the biggest blow about this is that you just feel terrible for Will Honus. I mean, this is somebody who, like you said, Robin, was playing really good football at the end of last season, decides to come back and, you know, had had the hip or whatever it was cleaned up and, and uh, you know, for whatever reason, decided to to have some practices there at the end of spring ball, and then you know for this to happen is just I mean that's just a gut punch. But um, you, you mentioned that you know this is that Chris Kalorovic is somebody that you know in Iowa or Michigan or whoever. I mean he went to the same high school as Max Bola 
or the Bola brothers from uh, that Michigan played at State. Michigan State. So I mean, he 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 was kind of cut out of that mold, the you know Big Ten linebacker, and so um, you know it, it didn't surprise me, you know, knowing what I had learned about him uh, when he first committed to Nebraska, it didn't really surprise me that he came in and and kind of made a name for himself right away, both in the weight room and on the football field. But um, you know, and luckily for Nebraska, they'll have Kalorovic for two years. You know, he's not your typical one-year grad transfer, so he's got two years left. But yeah, just it just it stinks for for Will Honus that that you're kind of that he's dealing with this right now for sure. And there's always a chance that he he could come back um, at the end of the year, but kind of a long shot at this point. I mean, this is his third major knee injury that he suffered two at Nebraska now. Um, if you remember his fourth game at Michigan, if he if he would have tore his knee at Michigan in the final game or the fifth game, he he wouldn't have he would have been done. Yep. I mean, his last year would have been 2019. But that fourth game injury allowed him to get a free COVID year and a red shirt and have four years at Nebraska as a JUCO. So you feel for him, but it's a deep position. I, I Guys, defense overall, I just think in general, they're going to keep Nebraska in some games this year. I really do. If the offense has any kind of struggles, um, which we know is inevitable in the Big Ten because you play good defenses, this is a unit that is very far along. There's a lot of things to like. Um one question I still have is how do you utilize all those outside linebackers? I mean, there's three guys at one position, Caleb Tanner, um, Garrett Nelson, and then Feldarius Payne. Those three alone, I mean, those are good players, and only one of them can play for the most part. So will they get creative again with the scheme to utilize some of the strengths they have at that outside linebacker position? Yeah, I'm sure there's some pass rush packages where you get a few of those guys on the field. and uh, you, you try to utilize the, the talent that you have, and certainly – what was a year ago at this time one of the biggest concerns on the team is now considered a position of strength. So hats off to Mike Dawson for <laughs> developing that group. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the defense was what we thought it was going to be this spring. With the amount of experience and talent they had coming back, they were going to be a pretty salty group. And, man, in that spring game, yes, it was a spring game, but, you know, they, they looked the part. Ty Robinson looked like a monster out there. And, you know, you just see – you know, different guys like like Blaze Gunnerson coming out of nowhere. That guy looked like a freak. He out beat there. Corcoran on yes. a sack. And so I'm saying, like they're they're loaded with some depth, and especially some young guys that finally it seems to be clicking with them a little bit. So, um, you know, I, I still you still got to kind of wonder about the secondary depth. I mean, they're they're perfect perfectly fine in the front end with it with the starters, but they got a lot of young guys that still have some stuff to prove, but just overall numbers, particularly in the front seven, uh, that is as stout of a defense as we've seen Nebraska have in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I was impressed with guys like Nash Hutmacher, mm. uh, Marquise Black, I mean, uh, even Ruquan Buckley. I mean, there's some young, fresh faces <laughs> that are sitting probably third or fourth string on that defensive line that are like, dang, these guys can play, and, and they were making plays. And, and so, I mean, and think about Tony Tuioti, too. You mentioned – um, you know, what Mike Dawson's done with the outside linebackers. But, you know, Tony, I think Tony Tuioti's done a great job with that defensive line. You know, he didn't have a whole lot of depth when he first got here. And, and now that's that's a, a, a position group that is, is loaded with a, a lot of really promising young players that are going to be around for a while. I think this extra COVID year where guys got the free year, it's going to help the development of this defense so much. Um, just that Ben Stilley, the two safeties, Honus and – Jojo. Uh, Jojo all came back. Taylor Britt came back because a lot of players would have been forced to play that were good, but maybe not quite ready. And I just think this extra year is going to help mature those guys so much more. And hopefully they can work them in more. I mean, like we mentioned, the Fordham game out of the gates and maybe the Buffalo game. There's two games there early that maybe they can get on the field and play some of these guys more. And, and you hope. I mean, Nebraska's has not been in that position. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean that just shows even why the, even another level of the value of that Fordham game. People want to scoff at it. It's like, why are you even bothering with that? Well, there's a lot of reasons. For one, we talked about recruiting, but if Nebraska does what it's supposed to do and gets out to a huge lead, then you start playing all these backups to give them game experience to where you got the four game. They, they can get something that you cannot simulate in practice, and it is at zero cost. And so uh, Nebraska just hasn't had those opportunities, and it's cost them. And with with just the development of players over the past few years. Yeah, I mean, even you look at a guy like uh, Noah Pola Gates, right? I mean, he's beyond his redshirt year, beyond you know playing in just four games, but he's he's someone that needs who I think is is kind of to the 
point now where where he can play, but he's buried. You know, he's kind of behind some uh, you know really experienced guys. But if you go out there and, and take care of your business against Fordham, he's somebody who can get a ton of reps, live game reps. Uh, out there and, and and actually you know kind of show what he can do so uh, yeah and I think there's a lot of examples of guys kind of like Noah Polagates that can go out and do that all right when we come back we are going to take questions in the mailbag and one on basketball to start as the Huskers added another addition to the roster we'll get Robin's thoughts on that next and more you're listening here to the Husker Online show this is Husker Online your authority on Nebraska athletics yeah, I mean, Omar's a, a really talented player. I think everyone can see that. And uh, I'm proud of where he's at right now. I'm proud of how far he's come. And I know what he can do and what he's capable of. I think we barely uh, scratched the surface. Um, a lot to be excited about. And uh, I think he's come a long way. And welcome back here to the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Rod Washett, Nate Klaus. That was quarterback Adrian Martinez on Omar Manning and his spring and his development. Uh, now it's time for the mailbag and a lot to get to this week coming out of the spring game, but want to hit out of the gates with some basketball, Robin. Um, the roster turning for Fred Hoiberg and Matt Aldamasi continues, and even you were surprised by the latest signee. Tell us more about Nebraska's latest addition to the 2021 roster. Yeah, so uh, Nebraska added a guy that prior to his commitment, <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't even know who he was. You know, I, I at least had forgotten about who he was. Karan McPherson is a uh, 6'4 combo guard, uh, played this past season at Link Year School in Branson, Missouri. It was a prep year uh, after spending his high school, um, at least part of his high school career at uh, Christ the King, uh, where he was a teammate of Illinois big man Kofi Coburn. But uh, long story short, uh, he had known Matt Abdelmasi, Nebraska assistant coach, had known uh, McPherson since he was like a junior in, or sophomore in high school. And they maintained a relationship throughout. Uh, the kid had a, a big knee injury that kind of stunted his uh, recruit recruitment, uh, and he decided to take a year of prep school. He was originally a 2020 recruit, took a year of prep school and, uh, you know, to just give himself a little bit more exposure. And he did that, got, you know, several high major offers, ended up picking Nebraska this late in the process. And a big part of it was, because of that relationship. And also, uh, he's like childhood friends with CJ Wilcher, the Xavier transfer, uh, and also knows the McGowan's brothers. So there's a lot of familiarity here where, you know, it was one of those deals where it was just worth taking a, taking a shot on. I mean, obviously he's a late addition. We'll see where he factors in, uh, with an experienced lineup and a, a class that was already rated in the top 20 nationally. Uh, but you know, he's, he's a guy that the staff felt good enough about to say he's, he's worth, I don't know, worth the risk, but we're worth taking a shot on. And um, maybe they found a diamond in the rough. And if not, then uh, not not too much skin off their back. Now, how many spots are left? One. So do you think they'll use it? No. I didn't think they were going to use this last one, but clearly they did. But uh, I'm f- pretty confident, like 99% sure that they will not use that last spot. So maybe like a Christmas transfer type guy. Or you save it for 22, because uh, right now they're full for their 2022-23 season. And obviously that takes into account all the current juniors that are going to be fifth-year juniors, like the Trey McGowans and Del- or, uh, Latmay and those types of guys, if they come back for another year, which we'll see. Odds are they won't. We're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Rob Washington, Nate Klaus. Let's move on now um, to, to um, football questions here in the mailbag. You look at the receivers, guys. How encouraged are you with the depth? I mean, you could ar- arguably make the case they're about eight deep at receiver now with Torre and Manning and, and Oliver Martin and Xavier Betts and Lever and Falk and Nixon and Elante Brown. That's eight guys right there. And, you know, you compare that to a year ago, you know, their two leading receivers or two of them are no longer even here, um, Cade Warner and Wondell Robinson. But optimistically, I feel better about this group than what they had, a lot better than what they had a year ago. Yeah, I think when if you if you would have asked me, okay, the day after Wondell Robinson decided to transfer, if the if the wide receiver group would be better or worse than than last year's, uh, there's no way I would have said that. Well, it'll be better that they'll they'll be able to absorb the loss of Wondell Robinson you know, without without question. Uh, 
Uh, but right now, you know, you look at what they've got, at least on paper, you know, they still obviously they still need to go out and prove it. But boy, I mean, there there are some impressive players there. And and, you know, you always talk about having six guys that you can rotate. I mean, I think they easily have six right now uh, and, and probably closer to eight uh, guys that can go out and and be productive and and. Uh, pretty much do you know anything that you're going to ask them to do so I, I think they're in a good spot right now and and boy if they can get a run game going and um, you know kind of you know and, and maybe stretch the field and and make the defense respect that part of the the game I mean it's it's going to be pretty fun to watch so obviously the first group Saturday was Toure Manning and Oliver Martin do you Sean do you think that's going to be your your group game one yeah my my starting three would be Tory at the, the the duck R and then Oliver Martin at the Z and Omar at the X and Xavier Betts would be right there and guys White Lever's in that group too. No doubt. I mean I I think people scoff at but he he is put himself there. He's had a nice spring. Um, I think he's the numbers the, he put up this winter. He broke school records in the winter conditioning. Levi Falk will be in that group and then I think Will Nixon could end up being the backup duck. Well, Nixon's good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he flashed. He's impressive. Alante Brown, how he comes back from injury mm-hmm. will be interesting to see where he puts himself because he had the opportunity to maybe do more last year and he yes. didn't. Um, I mean, he could have maybe solidified himself in a better position. Mm-hmm. I still think he's a good player, but I, I think he needs to, to – he's got way more competition. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then, you know, that's, that's the best part about it is they finally have some options there where you're not talking about having one or two receivers and then nobody else. Well, they got – they got a lot of dudes with a lot of different skill sets and finally some Big Ten level size at that position. All yeah. right. Um, moving on here to the next question in the mailbag. Um, want to hit on wh- – okay, th- this was kind of a broad question, and I'm not going to – name your top three items you want to see Nebraska progress on here over the offseason. And I'm not going to say each of us named three because it could take an hour to mm-hmm. go through it all. Um, but j- just for me, running back's a big thing, figuring out that position group. Um, but just, I mean, just continuing to, to rep and, and discipline and mental things, because I think Nebraska physically has everything they, they, they need right now. But it's the little things that have killed Nebraska, the discipline issues. And I don't know how you fix that, uh, but that's where they have to continue this summer, you know, being on time for workouts, mm-hmm. going, you know, just the, the little things that will make a difference. Um, you know, with, with everything they do to take the next step. Well, for me, that, that comes down to player-driven leadership where your veteran guys are holding guys accountable and setting the standard, uh, you know, with and creating a, a culture of expectation of what is required of players during the off months where, you know, you're kind of, I mean, you're going to have your scheduled lifting sessions and all that stuff, but who's going to organize stuff to put in the extra work? Who's going to go out and throw uh, on a weekend or something like that? You know, I mean, th- that's the types of things that you want to talk about culture that's where it puts it squarely on the, the player's shoulders because your captains and your veteran guys, this is your opportunity to really rein guys in and set the bar higher than it's ever been. And, you know, they, I think they did a good job of that this winter and spring. Um, you know, there's a lot of good talk about that, but that has to continue. And I think that has a direct impact on some of those discipline and uh, detail issues they've had over the past few years. Yeah, it's interesting because Ryan Held kind of mentioned that the running back spot will be determined by – the extra things that the guys in the room are going to do this offseason. Who's getting extra drill work in instead of going out to um, you know, a, a gathering or going out to a party or whatever? Who who's eating the right way all the time instead of just, you know, eating one good meal a day or, or a couple good meal, meals a day. It's it's who's going to be doing those extra things. Um, you know, to me, I I, I think if this team can figure out a way to be mentally disciplined enough to to get out of their own way, uh, that's going to be as big a deal as anything because this team is continually, for whatever reason, gotten in their own way and and you know caused little penalties to put themselves in a hole that are just difficult to dig dig out of. And if they can find a way to to play more disciplined football, um, and I, I don't know, I mean it's not just a magic switch that you can just flip and, and make it happen. But if they can do that, I think that's one of the bigger things that that uh, could give them a leg up heading into next year. All right, final question, guys. I was out. Um, um, in the western part of the state this week, I was in McCook and North Platte and um, Kearney um, over Monday and Tuesday. Question is, what are your favorite small-town Nebraska restaurants? No chains. And for me, I've got a few. Um, I like Carrie's in McCool. Um, very, very good little small-town place south of York. 
Um, I was at Max Diner, um, classic, classic place in McCook. Um, Max Drive-In, excuse me, and, and you order on the phone when you go in there. That, um, <laughs> so you sit at your table, you order on the phone, then they buzz you to go get your food and you pay. I mean, it is a true throwback institution um, in, in the town of McCook. I'm going to throw one other, or two other ones out there. Plainsman and Junietta, which is just outside Hastings, kind of by Adam Central. Maybe the best prime rib I've had, hmm. you know, outside of like a prime steakhouse, like where you pay like $100 to eat. I mean, it was unreal how good the prime rib was at the Plainsman in Junietta. And my final one I'm going to put out there is the Wolf's Den in Stanton, Nebraska. Hmm. The big, their standard hamburger is 10, 10, 10 ounces. I mean, it is massive. <laughs> I took Nate and Greg there once, and anytime we go to Norfolk or anywhere in that area for the in-state tour, I try to detour to lunch at Wolf's Den in Stanton. Wow. All right. I so, gave you some time to think. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you didn't pick mine because uh, mine has to be the Pepper Mill in Valentine, Nebraska. Go-to right. spot. Uh, you know, it's, it's right in the heart of, of Valentine, and I uh, went up there for a couple weddings over the last several years, and uh, it is it is the go-to spot in Valentine. Well, I got to go. I got to give a shout out to uh, to Front Street in Ogallala. That's that's kind of a an institution there. Um, you know, I I ate at a place called uh, called Max or not Max JB's in uh, in Holdridge. That was really good too here recently. But um, and then you know you always have like the chances are in York. I mean that that place is always solid. So I mean those are a couple that. They're off the top of my head that that I would go to. That's I mean honestly one of my favorite things about going around the state is just hitting the local places. I mean mm-hmm. it, just, it just really makes you appreciate Nebraska and where we live. And um, there's a lot of good places to stop and go. So hopefully we gave you a few ideas because uh, I know a lot of people are going to be on the road here over the summer months. But uh, when we come back, we'll close the show with recruiting thoughts from the spring game. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I have to watch the tape, see how they did today, but I know how they've been doing all spring. Uh, I'm pleased with where those guys are, and they both have some growth, certainly uh, left in front of them, but they both had really good springs. I didn't think I played my best game for sure, but I got to run around, have fun. It kind of sucks being green jersey thud, but yeah, just ready to be live. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we are talking recruiting and you heard Scott Frost mention quarterbacks in, in that position and that group um, and the number two, particularly between Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg. And that was the first time we talked to Logan Smothers. But, Nate, there were a lot of quarter. There was a, at least one key quarterback recruit on campus, um, MJ Morris, this weekend. I know it was a little harder with recruiting because technically they weren't on guided tours, but there were a lot of guys in the stadium. Uh, we did our best at Husker Online to track down a lot of the key names that were here Let's start with quarterback. What is your read on where they're at in 2022? Yeah, well, for 2022, you mentioned MJ Morris was on campus, and he's a four-star, you know, Rivals 250 quarterback out of Atlanta. Uh, this is obviously his first time ever making it to Nebraska, and he had a great, great visit. Um, just like everybody else, was just blown away by the atmosphere, by the fan base, and the energy that was, you know, kind of in the stadium, and just the whole, the whole show uh, of the day. And, and obviously, you know, also liked what he saw from the offense. Felt like he could fit into it and everything. So um, it was a big day for for Nebraska as it relates to to MJ Morris, and it, it maybe. You know, and leading up to that visit, you know, some of the other schools that were, you know, kind of in maybe even ahead of Nebraska, I think may have may have fallen off the board a little bit. You know, Florida State was one of his favorites for a long time. And for a long time, they'd been saying they're taking two quarterbacks. Well, uh, I think it was the Wednesday or Thursday leading up to the Nebraska spring game. Uh, they could receive their second quarterback commit of the class, and so that that effectively eliminates Florida State from you know from MJ Morris's uh, you know kind of group of top schools. And I think uh, Nebraska kind of vaulted up the board there. Now he's still saying that he wants to make a decision uh, in the month of May, and I know Nebraska has gotten you know a handful of quarterbacks that are going to be visiting in the month of June for official visits. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how things play out there and. Um, and then, you know, they also had another top quarterback, Reese Mooney, out of the 2023 class visit 
Um, and this is a kid who's huge, huge Nebraska fan. His dad grew up a Nebraska fan, uh, and things are looking really, really good there. So, uh, and he brought, you know, arguably one of the top overall wide receivers in the country, uh, in Shelton Sampson, with him, uh, you know, up to the Nebraska spring game. So it almost kind of seems like he's doing a little recruiting for the Huskers at, at this point. Yet, even though he's not even committed. And Nate, uh, two of the guys you talked to from nearby Hayes, Kansas, which is really right on the Nebraska border in western um, Nebraska there. Um, two key targets, uh, Jaron, is it Kanick? Yeah, Jaron Kanick. Kanick, I, I want to make sure I pronounce it. Kanick um, was here um, as well as his teammate Gavin Myers. One is more of an outside linebacker, Jojo Doman type guy, and the other is an inside linebacker. What's your read on where that's at with two of the top players in the state of Kansas? Yeah, so with Jaron Koenig, you know, he, he could play wide receiver. He could play outside linebacker. Could probably even play safety. Uh, I mean, he's a 10, 600-meter guy at 6'2", 210 pounds. And so uh, just kind of a freakish athlete. And, um, you know, Nebraska is recruiting him as an athlete. They think he could he could play wide receiver or outside linebacker. I think I think he'd probably end up being an outside linebacker uh, for Nebraska and, and probably most of the other schools that are that are after him right now. But this is his first visit to Lincoln, and again, you know, uh, was really really impressed by everything. Um, and I think Nebraska has got maybe a little bit of an inside track here. Uh, he's tentatively scheduled to take his official visit the first weekend in June, uh, which it seems like Nebraska is really trying to load up that first weekend in June with a lot of their top guys. But um, and, and people are kind of might cringe at this, but one of the newer schools that's entered the picture with him, uh, and he's he's landed a lot of new offers here over the last month, especially since track season started, and he ripped off um, you know those ten six hundred meters. Uh, is Clemson you know Brent Venables is from Kansas still recruits the state of Kansas for Clemson and he's come calling uh, and really you know making a strong strong push to get Jaron out there for a camp early in June um, and to you know basically to see if if they're going to offer him or not and so uh, you know I think that's and that's obviously very exciting for for Jaron and uh, you know you could tell when I was talking with him you know that's that's something that, that he's really looking forward to doing is going out there and, and seeing things and working out for him. So so we'll see what happens. But I think, you know, if that offer does not end up coming, uh, I really like Nebraska's chances right now. And, and you know, that would that would help with uh, with Gavin Myers. And, and honestly, I think Nebraska is the team to beat for Gavin Myers. I've already put my future cast in for Gavin Myers being a future Husker. Uh, but right now, I think it's whether or not he gets the green light to commit. You know, they have Ernest Hausman at the inside linebacker position. They only have room for one more in this class, at least as things stand right now. And, and so I think they're being a little bit more selective there. But if they somehow got Gavin Myers in the class, that would probably help them get Jaron Koenig in the class too. Is it just me or is every quality recruit within like the area is either a tight end or an inside linebacker? <laughs> that's what it, I mean, it just is like you can't take them all. That, that's the unfortunate thing i mean these are a lot of these guys are power they're power five guys yeah you know? they're yeah they're all i mean and it's not just fringe power five guy they're they're all legitimate power five guys and um you know i, I think uh it's it's a weird thing right now where you know, an awful lot of tight ends awful lot of uh, inside linebackers you know jaron Koenig might be you know he's one of those guys that that is uh a little bit different athletically than than a lot of the others but uh, it is very strange in its last year's class, this class, and maybe even the class, you know, the next year's class. They're all a lot of the same type of body types coming out of the Midwest right now. And Nate, there were um, a number of other visitors here um, that, that came on campus. I know we've talked to a lot of them. I mean, you, Mike, and Brian have been on the phones feverishly uh, texting and getting updates. Um, I mean, nothing like leads you to believe that the a commit's coming this week. Uh, you get the point. A lot of kids are waiting until June. Yeah, that's that's the thing, you know. And, and I don't think Nebraska was expecting any commits to come from the spring game weekend. I wasn't necessarily expecting any commits to come from it. But I think what has happened, and I wrote about it on Wednesday, is Nebraska was able to kind of set the hook with a lot of these guys. A lot of these big fish were finally able to get on campus, and, and Nebraska did a great job of kind of setting the hook with the atmosphere and, and the overall situation, and and uh, you know and. and 
and now these guys are they're looking forward to getting back and actually being able to sit down with Scott Frost and sit down with their position coach and their recruiting coach and 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 hang out with these guys in person and, and get a feel for what they're like in person instead of over the phone and and to actually take a tour of the facilities and and you know meet some of the guys that are currently on the team and and sit down with you know Dennis LeBlanc and the academics and so on and so forth and so I think that's when the commits are really going to start pouring in but I'll tell you what for for what it was given the fact that you couldn't have face-to-face contact you couldn't give tours you couldn't really do anything special for these players to have nearly 20 guys with offers on campus in that type of situation for the spring game was pretty impressive and and we're going to see the large majority of those guys make return trips whether it be in June or at the beginning of next season uh, and the commits will follow I, I think that there's going to be we'll be able to look back and say hey out of that group of visitors that came for the spring game you know five six seven eight of them ended up committing in this class and I think we all agree that June could end up being one of the busiest recruiting months we've seen in history um, because of the circumstances I mean it's literally like opening the floodgates and people are going to be on campuses seven days a week anywhere from seven in the morning to 10 o'clock at night I mean it's just going to be nonstop visits campus workouts and that's the part I'm so intrigued about is how will these workouts go with a lot of kids because you have the luxury to have basically free camps i mean you can separate guys and be like oh you don't want you don't don't have to pay a 100 bucks to come to our camp just come in for a visit and we'll work you out for an hour instead yeah Yeah, they get they get an hour to work out these you know to have an individual you know workout with these guys hands-on deal i mean that's that's unheard of, and and so I wonder if this is just a COVID year, or if this will be going forward every year. I would, I lean towards it being just a, for the COVID year because it's been so long since coaches and the players have been able to to, you know, it's been a long time since coaches were able to go out on the road and, and do evaluations. It's been a long time since the uh, recruits were able to to go to a camp or or whatever. So I feel like this might be just a one off type of deal until we get back to normal a little bit, uh, but. Who knows? I, Maybe I mean, it's going to be so popular that the coaches, could, yeah. that they're going to push for it. So it, it could be. You think about, though, the coaches have missed all that time in the football season, obviously, where they can go and watch games. In January, they go watch high school basketball games and weightlifting mm-hmm. sessions. Um, you know, in the month, in the spring months, they go to track meets, baseball games, training sessions to watch. They, they've lost all of that. So, yeah. I mean, they're trying to give some of that back here in well, June. And, and some some players across the country didn't even have a season last year, so they don't have any film. You know, they haven't been able to even have coaches watch their their newest film, and so uh, or they don't have much of it, even if they did play. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's this is a big deal for both the coaches and the recruits. Um, and you're right; it'll be it will be very fascinating to see if this is something that that the coaches uh, they try to push for to make it more of a normal deal every year type of deal or not. But yeah, the month of June is going to be ridiculous just with the amount of players making their way to campus and and the, the coaches, the workouts that are going to be taking place and and you know part of the coaching staff hitting the road to do satellite camps and I mean it's just it's going to be wild. Well, lots to keep up on. Also, Nebraska baseball again this weekend, trying to bounce back from being swept by Rutgers. So make sure you stay on HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.